0: Matthew chapter 10, and let's look at 7. And as ye go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely ye have received, freely give. Provide neither gold, nor silver, nor brass in your purses. Does that sound like we're supposed to bribe people? Does that sound like we're supposed to have a chili cook-off? Does that sound like we're supposed to have a public fish fry? Does that sound like we're having a hot rod show in our parking lot? Does it sound like we're trying to sell something in a bazaar, which, by the way, is very bizarre? No, this is a different bazaar. (laughs) It ain't that bizarre. (laughs) Now, so provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses. And Brother Quick's purse will go nicely with his little dress. Bonnet, yep. Now, nor script for your journey, neither two coats, neither shoes, nor yet staves, for the workman is worthy of his meat. Listen carefully. Here we go. And into whatsoever city or town ye shall enter, inquire who in it is worthy, and there abide till ye go thence. What's it talking about? Sister Hoffman, Perfect. That's it. You don't go in there and say, well, I see now, are you going to measure up, you know? No. You go in there and find out. Somebody saying, who's the new guy? Hey, what are you all doing, man? Is there anybody in this town that you know of that uh, would like to know more about Jesus and this movement of Jesus Christ? Have you all heard of him? Oh, yeah, man, as a matter of fact. Uh, matter of fact, man, there's some people over there that's got to a that that was just talking about that the other day. And, uh, man, I think, yeah, man, they would love to have you come. Say, so, well, we want to do some teaching around here. Uh, uh Where do they live? Right over on the corner, man. I'm sure they'd love to hear from you. Thank you. Appreciate that. You see how that works? Over to that place, that's where you go. You don't go over somebody's trying to out-cuss one another and trying to out-smoke and drink and dope everybody and trying to trying to uh, smooch on every woman they can come a contract with. You don't go up in a bar. You don't go up in a whorehouse and decide, well, you know, hey, man, I think I'm going to force this. Uh... Does anybody want to know about Jesus in here? Somebody start pulling the gun out shooting at you. You're not looking for people that want nothing to do with this. God will lead you to the right place. And He tells you to be on your guard Listen to me on this message tonight. God tells you in His Word there to inquire who in that town is worthy. That means be on your guard and you look for somebody that's worthy of your time. Why? Because you ain't got time to be playing games with people. Neither do I. See what I mean? But understand... The world out there don't see it that way. These worldly churches don't see it that way. How many people can you stuff in this building? How much can we stuff in these offering plates, in these offering buckets that they have in these big churches, so that they can build another sanctuary, a bigger sanctuary, put more chairs and stuff more people in? Man, woo, we looking good to God. Well, you looking just like the other bar down the street is. Now, let's look what he said further. And into whatsoever city or town you shall enter, inquire in who in it is worthy. And there abide till you go then. Stay in that one place right there. And if people want to hear it, they can come to that place to hear it. You understand what I'm saying? You don't go from person to person to person to person to person unless God leads you there. And if he leads you, go for it. And listen to what he says, And when ye come into an house, salute it, which means to embrace it. And if the house be worthy, if it truly is somebody there that wants to know more about Jesus and is so happy that you're there, you'll know it. Then let your peace come upon it. But if it be not worthy, let your peace return to you. What's it talking about? What's it talking about your peace? Hmm? That's good. Very good. That's exactly right. Here's that peace right here. (laughs) Here's that peace. Let your peace return to you. Listen to what it says. And whosoever shall not receive you nor hear your words, when you depart out of that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. So let me ask you a question. You ready? Sister Tara, let me ask you a question there, sis. How long would you stay in a house that don't want you there? Sister Quick, now we all know that you're just as pure as the driven snow, and you're just as meek as a lamb. And you're just as sweet as a little honeycomb. In all your niceness, how long would you stay there before you popped a couple of sugar cubes? (laughs) and turned into a whole different you. (laughs) You didn't see where I was going with that. I'm not making your life miserable. He's back there going, you're making my life miserable. You're, you're going to kill me here. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so you see, question is, <laughs> how long? <laughs> I've got these cameras all over the building. Amen. So let me ask you, Brother Quick. I know you're very nice when it comes to people as well. I've seen you do it. A peacemaker, get along with everybody. How long, my brother, would you stay in a place that would just as soon see you dead as alive? Have no desire to have anything you're selling or pushing and you're a thorn in their side and they don't want you there. How long would you stay? But you know what? Well, okay, you're right. You're right. So let's take a look at what the Word said. If they don't receive you. Did it say if they don't receive you 47 times? (laughs) You know what that falls into right there? Casting your pearls before swine. If they don't want it, you need to understand we're not desperate. This is a big thing about this message. You need to understand from Jesus tonight because this is a word from our King. We're not desperate. We want to give them what we know is right. We want to give them what we know is the truth. But we're not hard up for souls, man. You know, I don't need I don't need somebody so bad, man. Come on, come on, man. Come on, man. What's it gonna take? What's it gonna take, man? Okay, all right, hundred dollars. That's my last offer, man. Hundred dollars, man. Just come, you know. No. Because Jesus, Jesus is saying, what are you doing? I'm offering them an opportunity to escape hell for eternity, and I'm offering these miserable rats, these vermin, which is what we were and are without Him. I am offering the scourge of the earth who are not even supposed to be in the vine. I'm offering them a spot in the vine, and they dare spit at me? And they dare refuse me? Who do you think I am? And who do you think you are? They shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. God ain't hard up. (laughs) He came to seek and to save that which was lost. So many people take that down the wrong road. 99% of everybody that's ever heard that scripture takes it down the wrong road. The Bible did not say He came, amen, to force people into it, to bribe them into it, to smooth them into it. He's offering you an opportunity to be saved, a way out. Take it or leave it. It's that simple. That's exactly right. And that was a good example of it. Even Jesus himself hanging on a tree. He gave us a very clear picture. One on the right, one on the left. One on one side said, Everybody, you, save us! Come on! The one on the other side, Man, what's wrong with you? You kidding me? This man didn't do nothing wrong. You're a scumbag. We deserve to be here. We deserve this cross. That man has done nothing but save people and heal people and preach to people. He's loved people. I've seen this man. He didn't do nothing wrong to be up here. He did nothing to be hanging on this tree. What's the matter with you, man? Lord, forgive me. And Lord, when you come into your kingdom, God, Lord, remember me. See the difference? There wasn't no one was convinced and the other one was Almost convinced. Now, let me ask you a question. Y'all remember that chapter, you know, uh that's talked about, this whole chapter given to it, where it talked about, then Jesus said, excuse me, oh, hey, hey, you over there, <laughs> Mr. Hardnose, listen, hey, man, just wanted to say, uh, come on, man, don't you really want to love me? I mean, let me go through and tell you about what all the good I've done. Let me convince you. Is there anything I can do to convince you otherwise? Come on, man. Come on, love me. Come on, please. Come on, man. Let me preach to you, wife. Let me give you the Sermon on the Mount that you weren't there for. Let me give you. Let me give you the uh, the 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 the, the, uh, the five thousand fed story. Let me tell you about all the miracle signs and wonders I did. Come on. Maybe there's something else I haven't told you yet. I'll think of something. Did Jesus seem like he was desperate and hard up for another soul? It just seemed like he he he, he just just wanted to come off the cross, which he could have done. He saved that one soul. Did not the Bible... What did he do? He gave the good news to the one on the one side. He didn't even speak to the other one. Did not speak to him. There was nothing in him tried to convince that man. He let him go. Now, you know what? You know what? The Bible says he left us an example that we should walk as he walked. If Jesus himself didn't do it, you think he expects you to? See, you are doing a good job. You are doing a good work. You are a great people of God. But you need to quit letting that devil dictate to you what you're supposed to do because he ain't going to tell you nothing that's right. He's the father of lies. Everything he speaks is a lie. He's trying to tie your time up. He's trying to steal your joy. He's trying to keep you defeated when you should be walking in victory. You've got the victory. And let me tell you something. Honey, your steps are ordered by the Lord. If you walk in this walk and you live in this life, your steps are ordered by the Lord. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. It ain't no, You ain't got a dog in the hunt, man. It ain't up to you. God will put you in front of somebody. God ain't got no problem maneuvering you around the, the chessboard. If you're really in this walk, and you truly are of God, everything you do and say is of God. Do you think God's going to let you miss that golden opportunity? When He has a soul that He's concerned about, you're going to find that soul. Why? Well, because you're all that, right? Why? Why does He put them in your path? Because He wants that soul reached. And you're the tool He's going to use to do it. That's the reason He puts them in your path. Not having anything to do with you. It's to do with them. He wants them to hear the Word of God. He's going to use you to do it. Thereby fulfilling two things. Two things. Them getting to the kingdom and hearing the truth, and you fulfilling what you have to fulfil to make it home. It's just another one of those jewels in your crown, so to speak, or as the word of God says, another one of your uh, one of your uh, talents. That's right. All right. Are you with me so far? So let's go to Mark six. How far did I go in that last one there? 10 to... Did I go down to 22? At 14? Oh, i got a long way to go yet. Hold on. Verily I say unto you, <clears throat> it shall be more tolerable in the land of Sodom for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Why do we need to be wise as serpents? We need to understand what it is we're supposed to do. We need to beware. Be, be, it says, but beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils, they will scourge you in their synagogues, and ye shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. Now, let's see. But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what ye shall speak, for it shall be given you in that same hour what shall ye shall speak. Listen carefully to me right now. Listen very carefully. For it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh. In You you need to understand something tonight, man. This is talking about a place that did not receive you. Though the Lord sent you into that town, they did not receive you. But the Lord said, dear, I am still with you. Amen. And when they deliver you up into the synagogues and they deliver you to the councils, don't you even worry about what you're going to say because I am with you. You were rejected, but I am with you. And I will do the speaking. Praise God. You need to understand tonight, praise God, God's got you. God has got you. Hallelujah. And you don't need to worry about where God's going to send you. Pray about it. You know what you need to pray? Lord, send me where you want me. Send me where you want me. And then you need to pray this simple prayer. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true. And with thanksgiving, Lord, I will be a living sanctuary for you. If you're that sanctuary, God don't have any problem rooting the sanctuary. He's going to have it his way. Amen. Amen. He said, And brother shall deliver up the brother to death, and the father the child, and the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death, and ye shall be hated of all men. For my name's sake, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. All right, let's go to Mark 6. Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, verse 7. And he called unto him the twelve and began to send them forth by two and two and gave them power over unclean spirits and commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey. So go on down first. But verse 9, be shod with sandals and not put on two coats. Go down to verse 11. And whosoever shall not receive you nor nor hear you when ye depart, thence, shake off the dust under your feet for a testimony against them. Verse 12, and they went out and preached that men should repent. See that? Just simple stuff. They went out and told people, just like just like John the Baptist did. Prepare you the way of the Lord. He said another place. You need to go and preach the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. All right? He said, and went out and preached that men should repent. And they cast out many devils. Now, he didn't say go out and preach about forgiveness. He said go out and preach that men should repent. And they cast out many devils and anointed with oil many that were sick and healed them. Who healed them? They did. With the power that they freely received. received, And he said freely give. All right? So let's go to Luke 9. Luke 9, 5 and 6 says this, And whosoever will not receive you when you go out of that city, shake off the very dust from your feet for a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. All right? They went through the town, preaching the gospel. Did they stop and... Spend years there preaching? No. Now, look at Luke 10. Luke 10, verse 1. After these things the Lord appointed other 70 also. He appointed 70 apostles here and sent them two and two before His face to every city and place whither He Himself would come. He sent these seventy ahead of him to every place that he himself would come. See that? Therefore said he unto them, The harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Go your ways. Behold, I send you forth this land among wolves. Carry neither person nor scrip. Go on down further. Go down to... Uh, Verse five and into whatsoever house ye enter, first say peace be, be to this house. And if the son of peace be there, if the son of peace be there, your peace shall rest upon it. If not, it shall return or shall turn to you again. And in the same house remain, eating, drinking, such things as they give for the labor is worthy of his hire. Go not for, uh, go not from house to house, and into whatsoever city ye enter. And they receive you, eat such things as is set before you, heal the sick that are there, and, and say unto them, the kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. But, into whatsoever city ye enter, and they receive you not, go your ways out into the streets of that same, of the same, and say, even the very dust of your city which cleaveth on us, we do wipe off against you notwithstanding, be sure of this, that the kingdom of God has come nigh unto you. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. You see that? Look at Matthew 4, 18, says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, Casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And straight, and they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them, and they immediately... Everybody say immediately. (laughs) Left the ship and their father and followed him. And Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria and they brought unto him all the sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments and those which were possessed with devils and those which were lunatic and those that had the palsy and he healed them and there followed him a great multitude of people from Galilee and from Decapolis and from Jerusalem and from Judea and from and from beyond Jordan now did you notice how that Jesus pleaded with pleaded with James and John and pleaded with Peter to follow him Did you notice how I begged him and pleaded with him but you know what the multitude followed Him as all the other multitudes followed Him that He fed. But there's nothing in the Word of God about Him staying. You ever notice that? Jesus fed thousands and thousands. I'm going to tell you, He fed millions. But there's nothing recorded in the Word of God about them going on and starting churches or going on in the 5,000 besides women and children which was probably 20,000 or more people because it didn't include the wives and children. And they had a lot of children in them days. He fed 5,000 men besides women and children. So that probably meant twenty, twenty-five thousand 25,000 people. I never heard about any churches with twenty, twenty-five thousand 25,000 people in them, did you? Where were them churches at? Just like the rest of the multitude that quit following him. Those people got their fill, and slowly and surely they just walked away from it. Maybe some of them stayed, but I don't see anything in the word about it. Do you? Look at Mark chapter four, verse five and verse seventeen. This is talking about the seeds we talked about earlier, and some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. Look at verse 17. And have no root in themselves, and so endure for a time afterward when affliction or persecution ariseth for the Word's sake. Immediately they are offended. Lost a lot of people in this church over that. They get their feelings hurt because of the Word. I don't come with nothing but the Word. Never have, never will. You can't prove anything I've ever told you wrong. I don't care how you come with it. You ain't going to prove me wrong. So... If something I've said offends you, then the Word of God has offended you. I can't help it if you didn't know how to rightly divide the Word, but I'm going to rightly divide it to you. I don't care what you believed. You're not here to push what you believe. You're here to learn what this Word says. Amen. And what I'm teaching is what is the voice of God, praise God, that speaks through me. That ain't nothing special about me. It's just that I'm a vessel for the Lord, and He uses me to, to minister this Word across this pulpit. Now, So you show me. Show me in the Word of God where Jesus spent a lot of time trying to convince people. Can anybody show me? Look at Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. Verse 28 says this. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? How many of you know this was the man that Jesus sent Paul to prison for and his house? Do you notice Paul did not have to do any convention to this fella? God had already prepared this man. He's the one that put him to sleep. You are not going to sleep through an earthquake, but this man did. And he woke up and found all the doors open and supposed that everybody was gone. That means he slept through the earthquake part of it. Notice he said, He brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now that's somebody that's prepared of God to receive the Word of God. He didn't know the Word of God. He didn't know the first thing about the Word of God. Matter of fact, he was a guard of the people that were of God, and he put them in prison. But Jesus prepared that man. He set the entire stage. He set everything up for this to happen. And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. Now that's where the devil wants everybody to stop, right there. All you got to do is believe. Say, I believe. Bunch of nonsense. If you believe, you're going to move. Notice what happened right here. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. The jailer took them the same hour of the night, washed their stripes. Paul and Silas. They were beaten to a pulp. And was baptized. That tells you he believed. The Bible says he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He said, and was baptized. He and all his straight way. What does straight way mean? Immediately. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. Notice here how Paul spent hours and hours and days and days preaching to this man, trying to convince him to come to the Lord. And the guy kept making excuses. I gotta to go to the Super Bowl, man. I've got well, I would come, but I've got a oh man, my husband's got to work tonight, or man, I you know I would be there, but I, you know I can't make it right now. You know my wife is uh, you know she's not feeling good, and and you know I'm not feeling good because I ate some of her cooking a while ago, and I can't make it. I'm sick now. And did you see that in the Bible? It ain't in there. When it's of God, it'll work. When it ain't, don't force it because you're forcing a problem. Don't force it. That's not your job. That is not your job. You're not to force this on anybody. This is an acquired taste. If they don't want it, I don't want them in the building. Yeah, they're nothing but a hindrance the move of God in this place if they don't want to be here and they don't want what we preach and what we're we're following here they are absolutely they are absolutely not going to be uh, beneficial to the kingdom of God if they're being brought here against their will or if if they're being forced to swallow this doctrine they will not follow it anyway you can force somebody to quit smoking if you force them to quit smoking they're still smoking in their mind now so it says he said he was believing with God believing God in God with all his house. All right, now immediately they were baptized. All right So John chapter three, John chapter three. John chapter three, we're going to go to verse 18. "He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already." Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. What's that name? And this is the condemnation that light is come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Most people don't want this, and there ain't nothing you can say or do that's going to convince them otherwise. The only reason that you're even that you even talk to them is for a testimony against them. Of course, you're trying to reach them. But God will send you to people that you will never be able to reach for a testimony against them. Because they must be warned. Or they must be given a chance. That's exactly right. Now, their deeds were evil. For every one that doeth evil hateth the light. Neither cometh to the light lest his deeds should be reproved. You understand? You understand why they don't want this? You understand why they don't want you around them? You understand why they try to avoid you? Because you light their darkness. When they're around you, when they're around each other, they're good. They can convince each other and lie to each other and make each other feel good about what they're doing. But here comes Goody Two Shoes. Oh yeah, getting all up in our bubble in our space, man. You shining light on our darkness parade, honey. You got to go. You just raining all up on my parade, and you're trying to you're trying to save them from themselves, but they don't want you near them. Because when you're near them, they don't feel good. As long as you was with them, no problem. But, buddy, once you turned and once you started living a different life, now they can see your light. And that light shines on what they're doing wrong. And they don't want that nowhere around them. They can look good and on top of their game as long as they're running together. But when something better comes along, it's got to go. They can't stay around it because it exposes. It exposes their darkness. Now, but he that doeth truth cometh to the light that his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. See that? See the difference? Those that are for this walk, they're going to come to the light. They want this. All this does is you just wield the sword, and it either makes them go right or left. It's all this to it. That's, that's what it is in a nutshell right there. Why are you so surprised? Why is it that you're so surprised that 99% of everybody goes to the left? Why should that surprise us? Does not that book in your hand tell you that time and time and time again? Does it not confirm that in almost every page? So why? Why should we be so surprised So blown away by people not wanting what it is we're selling. The Lord warned us. He said, the world hates you. Just know it hated me for it hated you. What does that mean? He said, I'm God. And they hated me to my face. They hung me on a tree, man. And I'm God. I mean, I showed them miracles that only God can do right before their very eyes. I'm on here to tell you today, buddy a whole bunch of the people that He raised from the dead and healed their blinded eyes are most likely in hell today. I've seen that happen with my own eyes. Buddy, when I started this ministry, man, you're talking about a healing ministry. I mean to tell you, buddy, we had them lined up on Sundays and every other night of the week. Buddy, they were coming from all over the place. And I mean everything from heart failure to, to uh, ruptured discs, x-ray from today and an x-ray Monday, and boom, gone. I mean, just one right after another. The woman that had, she was having epileptic seizures all her life. She was an epileptic, and she was having three, four, five seizures a week, and every one of them, was just, they were just waiting on her to die. I mean, she just was having them that bad. And and she missed the first opportunity to come, and I thought God had passed her up. But the Lord spoke to me, and I asked him, I said, Lord, is it still available? And he said, yeah, tell her to come on. So she came. She came. God healed her just like that. She never had another seizure for about eight weeks. Everybody couldn't believe it. She quit coming to church. I told her, I said, woman, when you get back in this house, I'm going to tell you right now. Bible said, let the worst thing come upon you. And uh, she kept giving excuses. And, uh, buddy, in about a week, in about a week, she died. Or not, didn't die. She, I mean, she started having seizures again. She didn't die, but she started having seizures again. I mean, she may be dead now. I don't know. A man in Tombaugh, that man was on his deathbed. Had all these things hooked up to him. Tubes down his throat, plugged into every machine, and on life support. He was conscious. And I didn't even know the guy. Went in there and talked to him. And I asked him the first time, and y'all have heard this, I've asked him the first time, if God raises you up from here, will you serve him for the rest of your life? And he looked at me and he went, Meaning, I don't know, you know, I don't know about all that. You see what I mean? You see how bad the world hates, hates the truth, hates church, hates God? They were, they were wanting to pull the plug on this man. That's why I was there. It was a Sunday. They wanted to pull the plug on this man. He couldn't survive, and there was nothing else they could do for the guy. He had a cirrhosis of the liver. His kidneys were failing that nothing was working, and they said, there's nothing we can do with this guy. I mean, he's just too far gone. There's nothing, there's nothing else we can do. All we can do is make him comfortable, and, and we're going to pull this pull this life support off. He's going to die. You know? That's what they were wanting to do. They wanted me to come pray with this guy. She didn't want me to come up here and heal the guy. There wasn't nothing about healing the guy. Nobody said anything about healing the guy. Nobody said anything about that. They wanted me to come pray with the guy before he died. They were going to unplug him. He was going to die that day. They were going to let that man die that day. Can you come pray with him? When I went up there, the Lord spoke to me before I got there. I was there to heal the guy. I didn't follow what they wanted me to do or anything like that. I don't follow that kind of protocol. I just follow what the Lord says. And so I went in there and I said... I asked. I did. Said what I said. Uh, what I told you. I said. He went like this, and I just turned around and walked back out. And Brother Draper was. He was just beside himself. As was I. I walked back in the hallway. And uh, I said, "Well, Lord, standing in the hallway." His wife standing there over him, you know. And, Lord, what, what do you want me to do? Lord said, just give him a minute. I said, all right. So I waited a few minutes. Brother Brother uh, Draper came out. He said, wow, I can't believe that. I said, well, that's how bad people hate the Lord. I said, it's all right. Just give it a minute. He said, what are you going to do? I said, just give it a minute. I waited a few minutes. I walked back in there. And I said, sir. He looked up at me. I said, I'm going to ask you one more time. If the Lord heals you and raises you up from there, will you serve God for the rest of your life and get in church? And serve him with everything in you for the rest of your life. He looked at me and he went. I said, okay. So I reached in my pocket. And I pulled out that oil. Out of the horn of oil. I anointed him with oil and I prayed over him. And I said, sir. I said, in three days. You're coming out of this hospital. Now, I didn't rehearse that before I said it. God spoke it through me. And I said, you're coming out of this hospital, in three days you're going home. And I said, when you go home, do not forget to pay your vow. He looked up at me and I said, do you understand that? He said, I said, don't forget. Pay your vow patted him on the hand, and out the door I went. Later that day, they unplugged everything on him. Everything in his body went to normal. His liver went to normal. His kidneys went to normal. His heart rate went to normal. His blood went to normal. Everything in that man's body went back to normal. He rose up that day. They began to run tests on this guy out to Wazoo, buddy. They ran every test you can think of on this fellow, trying to figure out what the heck just happened. Three days later, I got a call from her sister and said, Pastor, he's going home today. I said, She said, they can't find a thing wrong with this man. I said, Tell that man, don't forget to pay his vow. He never went to church the first time. Two weeks later, I hadn't seen him in church, and I thought surely this man would come to the church. I mean, he was just on his way to hell, and God brought him out of the hospital with everything healed. Go figure. I said, uh... Is that man in church? She said, No, no, I don't think he's gone to church yet. I don't think so. I said, You call her and tell that man to pay his vow. A week went by again. I said, Sister, is that man in church? She said, I don't think so, Pastor. I said, You call that man tell him to pay his vow. About the third time I didn't see him, the Lord spoke to me. And he said, you send word to him to pay his vow, or I'm going to kill him. I called her sister, and I said, sister, is that man in church? She said, no, he's not. I said, I'm going to tell you right now, the Lord told me to tell you. He better get in church and pay his vow, or God's fixing to kill him. She said, well, now, Pastor, he just came back from the hospital today. He went down there and had all these tests run again to make sure everything was still like it was. And he got a perfect bill of health today. He came back today. wasn't a thing wrong with him. And he said, everything's perfect. I said, okay. She's exactly arguing with me. And I said, well, okay. All right. The very next morning, I was at the church praying. I got a call. Pastor? I said, "Mm Mm-hmm. She said, "Uh, I just called to let you know that man got up this morning. He's walking across his kitchen dropped dead on the floor. You see? So what does it take? What does it take to win somebody? Remember Remember what Abraham told the rich man? Huh? Do you remember the rich man in hell wanted Father Abraham to send Lazarus back to warn his brothers? Do you remember what he said? Do you remember what he said? He said, let me tell you something. They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. For if they will hear not Moses and the prophets, then neither will they believe Somebody, though he come back from the dead. Let me tell you something. That man had never seen a miracle in his life like I performed on him with the power of God. And even for that miracle's sake, he would not darken the door of a church. You see? What does it take To convince somebody to serve God. I can tell you this. You don't have what it takes. And you need to clearly understand that. If you have to convince somebody to serve God. They're not going to. Though someone come back. From the dead. Because that's how blinded they are. And true blindness is an absolute self-inflicted blindness. Their eyes, they have shut. You see? You can't defeat that. Even Jesus couldn't defeat that. And Abraham, already being in heaven, certainly had enough Godly wisdom to understand that. And he spoke it. Therefore, we should take heed to that word, don't you think? I've said it before and I'll say it again there's nothing I would prefer more than having everybody we come across especially family and friends to grab onto this with everything they got and get in here and follow the truth but they don't want it and if they don't want it you're not going to change that sometimes you can let them go sometimes that's the best medicine Either way, you've got to turn it loose. If you have an opportunity, minister to them. Don't just avoid them like a plague. But don't waste your time tying yourself up on them and beating yourself up over them. See? Because God does have a work for you, and somebody's out there that does need to hear from you, and they're going to hear from you. When you speak to them, they will hear you. When you teach them, they will heed that teaching. When you warn them, they will heed the warning. And that's how you know it's a God thing. And sometimes, it's a God thing anyway. Well, it's all the time it's a God thing anyway. If you're living for God, all of it's a God thing. It's just not as you see it. You want to save them, God's just giving them that opportunity. God's just giving them what He said He would. So they don't have nothing to say against Him. Because they won't have anything to say against Him. Can you say amen? Well, there you have it. Part 1 and 2. I hope you got something out of this message. We love the Lord. And for those of you on the tape, please don't misunderstand me. Man, I I, I know it seems hard, but this is the truth. It's the Word of God. I came with the Word of God. You saw it. and uh, And it is rightly divided. And we are not... We are not doormats. We are not meant to go out there and slave and toil over people that want nothing to do with God. We are to tell them what the Word says, and they can take it or leave it. That's their choice. That's what your choice was. The difference is you take it. They leave it. Well, that's their choice. They can leave it all they want to. But if they're set on... Not wanting this, there's not anything you're going to say or do that's going to change them. You cannot change people. And God is not in the people changing business either. His word being a sword is going to make them go to the right or to the left. It's it's their choice. They have to make that choice. It's going to clearly divide them, I can tell you. It's going to send them one direction or the other. They're going to have to choose. Stand with me tonight.